welcome to What the Hex, your source for Warhammer Underworlds and under 30 skittering skinks. I am your host, Phil, and with me as always is my co-host, Davey. How you doing, Davey? Doing good. I'm I'm excited for you. I'm excited for me too, oh, but I'm, I'm more excited for you. Just so excited. The day has finally come. Uh, if you couldn't have guessed from that intro and my excitement, our topic today is going to be Starblood Stalkers and talking about those wonderful little blue lizards. <laughs> but uh, yeah, to start us off, let's just set a little bit of context here for when we're recording this review. Um, so this is, we are recording on the day of the pre-order. So they just went on pre-order, which is also the same day as there was a, there was a preview show today. I haven't watched it yet. Uh, I think there's some, some juicy stuff in there probably for underworlds as well. I saw that there was going to be underworld stuff. Yeah. There's the full, uh, you saw all six, six exclamation point miniatures for the um Osiarch bone reapers oh uh, yeah band so that's cool. that's pretty exciting wow. i did not so the mir kanan i think is his name the the big yeah. axe guy who had seen okay. before yeah. i yep. i think i didn't quite realize just how big he was until he was standing next to some human-sized skeletons that, that guy is grande yeah like malag Huge? Yeah, like Malag, huge. So, wow. okay, that's not what I would have expected at all. <laughs> well, here we are. Uh, yeah. I'm, uh, and not to get too far off on these guys, but it'd be interesting. I think it was not immediately clear to me if he's the leader. I, uh, I'd have to watch the video again because we got some some of those like real kind of partial view sort of things. Of here's a here's a fighter card, and you can see. 23% <laughs> of you know the actual face of it. Um, the best teasers. So I think people who have watched it more than me or who are more paying a little more attention at, at the time probably uh, spotted uh, what his deal was. But um, as big boys go, if he's if he goes in the Hrothgorn and Malog club, which he seems size-wise like he might, uh, it'll be interesting to see how he fills that out. And he's got the most compatriots of any of those as well um yeah well you know he's only two months away right <laughs> right yeah so <laughs> not not too long of a wait yeah and he might he might just be five wounds. i don't know anyway it's it's Either exciting way. uh yeah and i i was also about to be like oh this is the first time we haven't seen a a seven fighter death war band but that's not true because of uh dreadfane the um true lady heroes yeah. lady heroes bucked that trend already but um well and then we're gonna have another death warband a la dread fane right that are gonna yep. be not yep. seven fighters right exactly so uh just changing yeah. everything up here death um so oh yeah then, I, I, uh, I just skimmed it here mirror mirror is the leader so he he's he okay. is big he is the leader um there looks like there's a, another guy who does something he's holding some weird uh item in his left hand and a pole arm in his right hand so there's there's some utility function guy i don't know and i don't know the bone reaper's uh background well enough to i think somebody who's a little better versed in their lore would be able to but enough about people we won't see for some time yeah um, yeah uh i can guess but uh uh what have you been up to lately <laughs> uh well i'm guessing that you guessed 
that I've been poring over the cards as they've been revealed for the Starblood Stalkers. And uh, as soon as I have my hands on the actual models, I am going to be building and painting them. Um, yeah, I think I think after we get done here, I'll probably get a deck put together and maybe start nice. testing them out. All right. Sounds excellent. How about um, you? I have been playing some Rippas. Uh, I got to play a Rippas mirror match in our team tournament, oh, yeah. uh, which was actually was a really, I can't remember if I already talked about this, um, but it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was real, real back and forth. Uh, I realized I, you know, most people don't care for mirror matches in general, which is understandable. And I think I was not especially looking forward to, but it ended up being, it ended up being great. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, I, I do like that warband quite a bit. And I, uh, I think they got a couple cool things in the universals that came alongside your lizards here. So, yeah, yeah. I think, I think there's quite a few good universals that we'll get to talk about. Yeah. But I uh, think before we jump in fully, uh, did you have any community shout outs for this week? I, I have not been paying very close attention, uh, Two, two, uh, two small ones. I'll, I'll say, um, uh, well, I guess one, one would be, uh, to the, uh, path to glory guys who, uh, already have like two episodes out. We're recording this. They've already released their two. They are flying. Um, <laughs> so they've, they've released a, an episode on the universes, an episode on the, on the stalkers themselves. Uh, and in the same vein of, people doing stuff really, really fast for the community. Uh, Deckers and Underworlds DB, both the, both those sites have already updated. I, it was literally within hours. I think uh, yesterday we, we got to see all the cards on Warhammer community. And uh, hours later, I remember seeing that they had, they had uh, updated their deck builders, which, uh, which is shocking. I don't know. I'm impressed. <laughs> those, those guys like, yeah, just like clear the decks for that. I, I don't know how you, anyway, I, yeah. hats off it's to impressive. them. It's impressive. Yeah. Uh, and Legends. then, uh, one other thing it was, it was cool. I, um, I, I know that I mentioned the, uh, tabletop Sydney channel mm-hmm. and, uh, I happened to be watching another one of their videos. We were talking a little bit about it before recording. It was, it was pretty fun. A uh, Kagras versus, um, God's Warrant hunt. And then, uh, I hopped into the comments. I was going to say something that I noticed, uh, I guess one of our listeners, David Lawrence, uh, said that he found that channel. He was excited to see that channel. He said he heard about it here. So, and he, he mentioned that that was cool of him. And I'm glad, uh, it, it was, you know, you've always figured that people are scoping out your recommendations, but I'm, I'm glad that we were able to turn at least one person on to that channel. Cause they, those, those guys are doing great stuff and I'm, I'm glad they're getting more people to take a gander. So. Awesome. Great stuff. Always good to see. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, let's, let's finish with the preamble. Let's get to what you've been waiting for for <laughs> such a long time. So, uh, yes, uh, the stalkers, we're going to do our usual, the warband play style, faction cards, universals, maybe a little speculation. Um, but, uh, why don't you, why don't you, why don't you start us off on this main topic here? Yeah. So I guess, uh, I don't know. How do you want to do this? Do you want to break down just each, just run down each fighter or do you want to like start with universal, like shared mechanics and then dive into the details? Let's, let's go for some of the shared mechanics, uh, such as they are. It is, uh, 
my my takeaway just at at the first glance uh was like whoa there is a lot of different things going on here uh, yeah. i'm gonna have a hard time keeping track of what skink does what i think once i see Definitely. the miniatures once i see the miniatures that that might help but uh it's gonna feel like one of those uh you know you, you sometimes have the warbands where you're like yeah cash like i know one of these guys is like on two swords I, i'm thinking of like maybe the the beastman here where like yeah one of these guys is a slightly better melee attack yep. and <laughs> one of them doesn't and i don't remember which and whatever my opponent happens to tell me i'm like yep that sounds fine so yep yep i think it'll be very similar and i think i think having all these sort of uh you know the names don't exactly just like roll off the tongue um unless maybe you're someone who speaks nahuatl which (laughs) you probably don't um but you know uh, their their names definitely appear to be based off of nahuatl which is aztec uh for those who are not aware um and yeah they they definitely are not stuff you normally would see so they they definitely don't stick um but i think i think the nice thing is that all these different skinks have different weapon loadouts you can just kind of be like yeah guy with like the club and the shield that one and then one with a blowpipe (laughs) chameleon yeah uh but yeah so I guess uh, since we're talking about the skinks, let's start there with the shared mechanics that all the skinks in the warband have, mm-hmm. and that is their inspire condition. So the the warband has two separate inspire conditions, which is a little strange. It's not unheard of, but it, it definitely is not very common. Um, and that is that all the skinks inspire after an activation where your warband is holding three or more objectives. So basically do a uh, temporary victory and then your skinks will inspire which Mm. is pretty nice um and suggests that you probably want them to play into holding objectives at least a little bit because you're probably going to do it anyway sure um Uh, and what's your instinct uh, having mentioned that uh what how important is the inspire do you think or you want to touch on that later we can touch on it now, I guess, but then maybe we'll be able to elaborate as we go through stats. But I think generally it's probably not actually essential. Um, most of the fighters don't get a lot better with inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the ones who really benefit are the ones who gain additional defense, mm-hmm. which is autopodal and talk. Um so talk is the blowpipe and club skink. He goes from one dodge to two, which definitely helps when you're only on two wounds. And Autopodal being the uh, chameleon, he's already at two and goes up to three, which we've only ever seen on one other fighter. So mm. uh, that should be pretty nice to have three dodge. Mm-hmm. So not not end of the world if you can't pull it off. No, I don't think so. I mean, like you don't, you don't hit any harder usually when they inspire and they they don't all get any better in defense. Like most of them just stay the same. Um, speed, it seems like, is the big thing across all of them except the leader. Like I was actually trying to see like, okay, do they all have like one thing in common with their inspiration? No, none of them. Like <laughs> across the board, they're all a little bit different. So like they're very, they're very varied. <laughs> yeah. Little, little God's worn hunt in that way, I guess, as well. Yeah, that's maybe yeah. another parallel to draw. Uh, and then the only other commonality with 
the skinks is that the ones, so the three dangle skinks, if you will, talk, shipik, and huachi, um, which are the blowpipe and club guy, the shield and club guy, and the spear guy, they all have this rule called skittish, which is a reaction where after an opponent's power step, which is a fairly unique reaction window, I think, you can then push a fighter one hex away from an enemy fighter who's within two hexes. Hmm. So I think that's going to be pretty situational, but I think people are going to really have to pay attention to the positioning of skinks because all of a sudden they can be moving around. Um, and since you'll get to do that a few times, potentially a few times around, that that could be a lot of additional movement that you're not necessarily expecting yeah it feels like maybe the uh the pro level uh of these of play with these is setting up uh setting up the board or setting up your positioning to be able to really take advantage of this is that uh yeah feels like there's potential but it's difficult to unlock potential i think so too um i think it feels like these guys are gonna be a lot to sort of wrap your head around to start. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think if you just pick them up, they're probably fine just without a whole lot of forward planning. But I think to really unlock a lot of their abilities, you're going to have to know like three steps ahead what you're trying to do. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. What about uh, breaking into some of these individual fighters? Sure. So uh, do you want to lead us off with a quick overview of the leader? Kishitaka. Kishitaka is a, so uh, starts out with four move, two dodge, three health, and does not get it better than that on Inspire. Has a range two attack, two smash, two damage. That doesn't change on Inspire. And a range three attack, uh, two smash, one damage, goes up to three smash, one damage. Very accurate. Um, which is a good way to ping things or knock people off of objectives. But you know what? Another good way to mess up people's objectives are yeah. is with this special <laughs> action, which is, uh, well, read it first here. It's a pick one, uh, pick one feature token within three hexes. Uh, and then you either flip that feature token or deal one damage to one enemy fighter within one hex of that token. Uh, so that if everything aligns right, that's a, you could ping somebody from four away, which is, pretty great um especially since no dice are involved so this feels like a thing that sometimes is going to be inconsequential won't matter at all and sometimes it's gonna it's gonna blow a, a round wide open uh yeah so uh it'll be cool to see you know fun plays with that and whether it whether it unlocks you know a, a feed the beast grave strategy or not um that's also interesting yeah definitely I think one other thing that's important to mention with that is that it, it can only be used once per round. Mm, sure. Um, so you can't just sit there and ping people over and over again, which is probably a good thing. Free ping damage would <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> probably be a little too good. Sure. But I, but I agree. I think, I think it'll be like in the situations where it's useful, it could absolutely change a game. Um, I mean, just right off the top of my head, just thinking like somebody goes and runs on an objective and you can sort of see they're setting up something withholding objectives and you're just like, well, I'm going to flip that one. 
mm-hmm. that you're standing on. And there's so few abilities that allow you to flip hexes that people are occupying. So sure, right. I think having that ability, it can be pretty interesting. Yeah. And, uh, so the cost of an action is substantial. Uh, and then also he's got to be within range. So, uh, how you set up your objectives are going to be pretty important with that. Yeah. So if there's one particular one you want to get, he's got good speed, but that's, that's like a two action investment. You got to move and then flip. Yeah. Um, and it can't, it cannot be a charge and flip. So you couldn't like, Oh, I'm going to charge into their territory, uh, shoot somebody with my, um, ranged attack and then after that uh if i still need to i'll flip it because once you've charged you can't activate anymore so um so gonna be a little little tricky to set up but for sure um let's talk about his substantial opposite here the uh (laughs) clack truck yeah clack truck so clack truck he's our big old saurus old blood uh, he's the only Saurus in the warband, so he's he's really your bruiser. He's the guy who's coming in to do some damage, do some work. Um, he's rolling out three move, one block forward health, which you know, pretty average stat line for a melee fighter. Um, what's not average is his Celestite War Maul, where it's range one, two smash for three damage, which is about as good as uninspired attacks get i think the only way they get better is with reach two um and then he also has his powerful jaws attack which uh just the stat line's pretty you know inconsequential it's range one one sword for one damage but um he has a reaction that allows him to make that attack after his activation um so you know, there's a lot of flexibility there. This is very much the same as how the wolves work in um, Rippas. So anybody who likes running Rippas will probably be very used to this. Um, and same as the Rippas, this attack cannot have its characteristics be modified. Mm-hmm. So it's always one damage and it's probably always very inaccurate. Mm-hmm. But it is it is uh, happy to see any rerolls or supports that you can give it. Like they, those, because don't, those don't count as modifiers. Those are good ways to boost this attack. And then having another attack is always handy. Uh, I mean, sometimes you just get lucky. Uh, so he has a potential four out of the gate. Um, or if your main goal is to drive somebody off of an objective, having a second shot at it, if your first missed is good, but it, it unlocks things like uh, master of battle or, or steady assault yeah. or, or different things where you need to get multiple actions or attacks out of a single fighter. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, it's kind of crazy to think that off of one charge, he could get three, ac- like, actions. Mm-hmm. So uh, you could score score that off of one activation, which is pretty crazy. Um, and then he does have a different inspiration from the rest of the Warband, which we alluded to earlier. Um, and his inspiration is just make a successful attack. So another good reason to have extra attacks. Yeah, yeah. Um I guess hmm. we didn't mention when he does inspire, he does get slightly better. He goes up to four move, two block, and his powerful jaws gain one more dice for a little added accuracy, but that's it. So um yeah, I think I, that's not nothing though. I mean, especially as your as your bruiser, it's it's nice if you if you can engineer a way to get that first attack to land, uh yeah. then 
his follow-up rounds, he's, he's more likely to be there because he's got more defense and he's more likely to be able to reach people, um, will be less able to kind of scatter away from him. So, yeah, yeah. I think the four move and two block is very substantial. I don't know that the extra sword on the jaws makes a lot of difference, but, um, but yeah, being faster, I think, especially I can tell you having played, uh, plenty of rippers that that extra dice is just that's one more where you can have that heartbreaking crit uh for <laughs> for somebody so yeah uh, nice yeah. well all right so then uh i think maybe the star of the show or at least the like <laughs> the weirdest guy here who's changing things up for the rest of the war band or like just underworlds in general do you want to cover the chameleon autopodle autopodle uh he joins the exclusive club that previously only had slake slash in it as being a hunter and a quarry. Yeah. Um, so he's got three keywords, skink hunter and quarry, uh, just a ranged attack range three. And then now this is, is he's the only member of this club, uh, as a printed attack that hits on crits and nothing else. So, uh, it rolls three dice fishing for crits doing one damage it has cleaving and snare, and I've seen a number of people ask online, like, what point is that if you only hit on crits? Uh, if you have supports, then this will help negate those other yep. uh, elements. Uh, because it's a little blowpipe, it's not hitting hard, so it cannot drive a fighter back. But most notably, if its attack action succeeds, give the target one move token, which is huge if you can engineer a hit. Uh, you can strand a fighter somewhere, uh, which, is, which is pretty cool. I... This feels like it's going to be a, it's one of those things where when you're looking at it from the other side, you're like, well, he's not necessarily odds on to hit, but the penalty for being hit by him is just so crushing that you have to respect it. Yeah. Um, speed four, two dodge, two health, um, and gets an extra speed and an extra dodge on inspire, uh, and actually an extra point of damage on that attack, which <laughs> really makes him. You don't want him sitting in the middle of machine gunning people. No. So, yeah. He, he'll be fond of any rerolls, you know, additional chance to scoop up crits. And then uh, not that you really want to have a lot of skinks hanging out next to people, but if you if you were to uh, have the opportunity to shoot at somebody that maybe Clack Croc is engaged with, then you prevent that person from running away from Clack Croc. Clack Croc gives you the supports for hitting. Uh, and then that whatever that model is can't run past Clack Croc to get at your much more fragile skinks in the back line. Definitely. I think he's going to be again, like one of those things where it's not get something you plan around necessarily, but like when the situations arise where it's like the game, basically like, you know, third round, your opponent has one big hitter left. And if you just put a move token on him, it ends the game. Like, of course you're going to take that dive, right? Mm-hmm. Right why wouldn't you take like a 40% chance to try and lock them down and win the game? Um, so, you know, I don't know that you like rely on that, but there'll certainly be situations where you hope that it works. Cause if it does, the payoff is huge. Right. And, uh, I mean, I was, I was thinking about it cause I was like, man, hitting on crits, that's, that is just, brutal to only hit on crits but effectively with cleaving and snare you're making your opponent's defense crits as well right. so it's kind of like yeah it works out yeah 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 um yeah pretty 
pretty interesting piece, like very, very unique, not, not something we've seen before. And that's always, that's always welcome. Yeah. Um, what do you think of, let's see what we, we've got, uh, we've got just the, the, the backup singers here, the yeah. backup skinks. Uh, why don't you pick one of those or maybe, maybe you can kind of lump them together. Um, yeah. I was thinking we can probably just kind of run them down yeah. in two groups. So, so we've got Huachi and Shepik, which are the, the two that are on block. So their stat lines are the same. They start at four move one block two health um, and they inspired a five move one block two health so they're probably your most vulnerable fighters in the warband even though dodge technically is worse they're in they never go up above above one defense so um they'll be even inspired they'll be the easiest to hit fighters in the warband um Huachi has the spear, which he's actually pretty good, decent in melee. Um, he's got reach one, two smash for two damage. So that's, you know, as good as anybody in Magors. Um, and then he can throw his spear as well, which is a reach three, two swords for one damage that I'm not seeing anything that says that he loses the javelin after he throws it. So no. he can just keep chucking javelins, <laughs> which is pretty decent. He, he's the first guy smart enough to bring more than one. So. Yeah. Um, and when he inspires, his javelin does get slightly more accurate with three dice and does gain knockback one um, for what that's worth. Um, Jepic, I don't think really there's much to say about his attacks. Um, he starts at reach one, two swords for one damage. Uh, and it gets just nominally better at three swords for two damage once he's inspired. But uh, I think if you're relying on him to get your work done, something has gone terribly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> sort of like a Turash moment. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, what has happened? <laughs> Everybody. So those are the, those are the two shield ones. And yep, then... two shield guys. You want to bring it home with sure. talk? Talk also has a club. Talk is a little rough here he's starting on one dodge he does inspire to two uh but his his uh attacks at the outset are not so great uh he's looking at uh two fury for one damage at three range or two fury for one damage at range one yeah um, <laughs> so don't that uh this this guy's where whatever spot in your six warband six fighter warband where whatever spot you're putting grawl on is probably the spot that this guy's going on um, <laughs> But uh, uh, he does, he gets uh, one extra dice uh, on his uh, melee attack when he inspires extra speed and extra dodge. So uh, he's, he's going to be the one doing the least, I guess. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, it is nice to have a ranged attack though, you know, especially late. Yep. If you, if you're starting to run short on people, it lets you do something without leaving your spot or it lets you set up trap situations or, or, uh, pushes into lethal hex are a little more easy with this so it's not nothing yeah i think it's interesting um i guess because like you look at talk uninspired and you're probably saying that he's the worst but if you look at shepik like inspired he's maybe worse when you compare him to inspired talk so i don't really know which one you (laughs) (laughs) sort of put forward as your sacrificial scare but fair um, fair enough yeah, I don't know. Um, I I think they could all be decent, but it's just don't don't rely on them to really do a lot of work. Right. 
I think uh, the only thing I wanted to say um, before we move on from the fighters here, uh, Clacktrock, uh, just be aware of the order of how uh, things happen after an activation. So the first thing that happens is inspiration, then reactions, and then uh, then the chance to yeah. score surges. So he can actually inspire uh, with his first hit he can potentially inspire himself straight to the two fury attack for his jaws, which is uh, pretty cool. So, um, yeah, yeah, you, that's definitely useful. Yeah. You could, uh, surprise somebody that way. I think the only other thing to mention is that the, all three of the dangle skinks are hunters. So ah, right. sure. they, they do unlock some pretty nice cards that way, but, um, I don't know how much you want to invest in these guys. Mm. Uh, right. I mean, if you have some cards that need a hunter to be able to do it, uh, at least you have a little insurance there, plus whatever upgrades you happen to be taking. So you, you do have four hunters uh, once you include the chameleon. Yeah. Autopodal. Is that the, that's like second most in the game, right? Yeah. I believe Grimwatch, Grimwatch? have five, uh, yeah. because the Duke for reasons unknown is also a hunter. uh yeah all right so that's the baseline with those in mind um let's talk some faction cards so we start the usual spot objectives is there an objective that uh you thought was particularly exciting well i think i think both just in terms of how it works and just in how good of a reward it is for doing it. I think the great plan is the one that jumped out at me first. Mm. Um, this is a lot like superior tactician, but um, this is a duel uh, where you score in the end phase. If you have scored six or more objective cards and you have scored one or more surge, one or more duel and one or more hybrid objective cards. So not exactly super complex to do i mean if you're going to have scored six of your 12 objectives hopefully you can have scored a surge in there and uh if you can just get one duel and a hybrid you get three glory um yeah since that can be scored in any end phase i mean basically you're looking at from round for rounds two or three you could pretty easily be rolling into a three glory end phase which yeah big time good i mean i remember how rough it could be in the first couple of seasons where you're where you're waiting for that uh superior tactician to to come into play and you know that you're going to be working against that um and here the uh many of the hybrids that people are taking these days also happen to be surges so you have a, a surge hybrid um so that makes you you can kind of double dip on that so that that feels very doable um and anytime I'm making a deck with these folks, you're going to be keeping an eye on that. So, For sure. And um, anytime you're playing against them, you have to be thinking like, is their glory actually three higher than it looks like it is? You know? <laughs> uh, yeah. Because once they've, once they've achieved that, I mean, this is the thing with this is like, let's say you have a real solid couple of rounds early on uh, and you know, this is coming. You can, you can kind of back off knowing that you've got three and unless they've got something real good, uh, the, the opponent's going to have a hard time keeping pace. I would definitely agree. Um, I mean, this is one where it's like, this is probably one of the best faction end phases that we've seen. If not one of the just best end phase cards that we've seen in this season. Um, so yeah, I think, 
I think it definitely uh, is a definite standout. Um, how about you? One, any, any that really jumped out at you? Um, so I feel like there, well, I'll, I'll go with one that's just powerful, uh, instinctive tactics. <laughs> uh, it's a surge. Yeah. You get it after you, uh, resolve your second or subsequent reaction in the same phase. So that'd be the entire action phase. And we've seen this before. Um, notable example would be Iltharis guardians, um, had this and, uh, given that, uh, what four of the fighter cards have a reaction, five of them. If, if you, uh, count the leader, they, so you have four skinks with skittish, uh, yep. uh, Autopodal doesn't have skittish. Does he? I don't think so. He does not. Okay. Um, uh, so you have, you have, oh, I guess the leader, I think it's four fighters with a reaction. Four fighters. Yep. Clack truck. And then the, the three hunter, uh, clack truck's got his jaws and the three hunters have their uh skittish uh mm-hmm. so there's a lot of built-in and then with a little bit of uh construction in your in your uh objective or not objective uh, upgrades and gambits you can you can really work your way towards this it's pretty well um and it's that kind of thing where you can kind of score it just in the course of playing the game normally which is always powerful yeah yeah and like I think what makes this even more frustrating is that the reactions that these guys have are reactions that are very hard to stop. Mm. Um, like clack tracks, just going to get that extra attack. There's going to be very few situations yeah. where he's not. And while skittish isn't super easy to set up, it'll probably happen at some point. So, I mean, it, it just feels kind of like a free glory yeah i mean you you may be just skittishing specifically to score this card right yeah like okay well i'll do this and give myself one more reaction for the for the round here so yeah so i think those are sort of like the two strongest ones or at least the ones that sort of jumped out at me as being really very strong Mm -hmm. um i think i think the rest of them fall more in like the interesting good category rather than like the super super strong category but i do think will of the slan is going to be pretty simple to do um so this is another end phase where if your warband holds one or more objectives in two or more players territories score to glory mm. um i'd agree with that that feels like it meshes nicely with some of the hold the we talk about the the hold two or the hold more sort of thing so it's being very specific about where they need to be, but if you can get a handle on those two, then it's likely that you are probably well positioned to work on dominant position or path to victory. Um, you already maybe scored your hidden purpose if you took that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's a good I pick. mean, it's effectively swift capture that you score in the end phase. Um, because we can assume that most games you're playing are going to be two player. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a multiplayer game, it would be, it's interesting because it could actually not include any in your territory at all, but I, I don't think that's really going to come up all that often. Um, and I think, I ahead. think this card sort of, um, I think at least to me, it suggests that their play style is going to be flex. Um, I mean, you could just mm-hmm. go hard, hold objective and use this card and be very well off with it. But I think it, 
like you were mentioning, there's there's a lot of hold to stuff that's pretty flex. Um, mm-hmm. And this is just yet another example of an, a good end phase card that you can use to help you with flex where it's like, I'm going to do what I'm going to do and hold objectives at the same time and happen to score some good glory out of it. Right. Yep. Uh, yeah. I, I, you, you mentioned like the, the flex nature of these, they, they have a surprising number of cards that in their, in their base deck that are encouraging them to end up in enemy territory. Yeah. Um, and they have some interesting tools to do that. It feels weird because like trying to send the, the three hunters, uh, <laughs> forward or, uh, I, I keep on saying the three hunters, but, uh, Autopodal is his own thing. So, um, like sending them into enemy territory seems like a recipe for making sure the other person gets primacy, but, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, they have seeking the heart as a hybrid where you, uh, hold all objectives in enemy territory, uh, or all your surviving fighters are in enemy territory. So, it, you know, it's kind of like a, it's a, anytime you want it, um, conquest, um, with a, with a yeah. hybrid option. Um, so I, it, that's the, those are the kind of objectives where I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if those are good or not. Like I, yeah. I would have to see them play. I'd have to see some deck builds. I think you'd have to be building pretty specifically, um, for that, but you know, it's not like two glory end phase are, are a dime a dozen, you know, have, yeah. having completable ones is, uh, is always interesting or helpful. Give you yeah. Options. And I think, um, as you mentioned, you know, completable, right. <laughs> it's those, those end phases that you know, you can do. Um, and I think the nice thing with these is that they balance, they're, they're balanced, right? I mean, it, it's not super easy. You're not just going to get to glory, but at the same time, like you don't feel like it's so difficult that you'd never consider it. Um, I do think that the interesting thing with these is that it's holding objectives in enemy, in enemy territory, but it's just saying like, hold all of them, which could be one. If you've yeah. used Kishitaka to flip stuff from three hexes away. So say sure. your opponent had two and they put one forward for some reason and you flipped it. Now you just have to hold one objective at the right. end of the phase to get two glory. So, um, some interesting play. Yeah, uh, I think you end up in that situation sometimes where you have, uh, maybe on, on the board roll as the, uh, stalker player, you had three objectives. Your opponent is trying to disrupt your ability to hold three. So places something, you know, places an objective forward. And then if you can, if you can engineer it so that, uh, you know, maybe you have three in yours, one in no man's and one in theirs, like you can, you can, make this pretty pretty scorable for just the positioning of one one fighter yeah i i would definitely agree and i i mean i think movement is going to be super important for them um because as you say keeping keeping fighters alive might be a bit of a problem but if you're fast enough you can just kind of blitz to do what you need to do and then after you've done it it's sort of like well i don't really care if they die now sure so some interesting stuff yeah um i don't know any others that you think are real standouts i think i mean i think um, there's a few yeah, but 
So I think people will be tempted by astrometrics alignment, which is mm -hmm. uh, you need to flip a feature token in enemy territory. There's a universal that may make this one of those coveted uh, surges that you score in a power step, pretty rare um, and pretty handy, but that's relying on one particular card. And this, like we were talking about with uh, Kishitaka, is that you have to you would have to generally, because you're not going to deploy him forward, it's going to take you two actions or an action and a, and a power card yep. uh, in order to get into a position to do this. So uh, maybe, I guess. Maybe, the, yeah. <laughs> I think if, yeah. I think if, I think if you're trying a feed the beast grave uh, strategy with these guys, I think this goes in for sure because it's, you're going to have to do it at some point, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I think this um, one almost I, is a trap, okay. right? Sure. Like, well, yeah, uh, but again, back, back to the feed the beast grave. If you got lethal snares on somebody and they're uh, true placing or running through stuff, then all of a sudden you have more avenues. So I, I think, but I, I, I agree. I think outside of feed the beast grave, uh, I think it, it may be a trap. Yeah. Um, the only other one I wanted to mention was Children of Azir. It's a dual score. This in an end phase of each surviving friendly fighter is inspired and surviving friendly fighters have three or more upgrades. Uh, I can't remember seeing one that was just like, hey, have this many upgrades scattered around your warband, which is what this is saying. Like, yeah, you you could have all six alive and three of them each have one or two on one, one on another, and you're, you're good to go. Um, I think that's caused a little bit of confusion for people, but... Uh, having right. played plenty of uh, Rippas, you know, you, you have these things that are like uh, three hunters each with one or one with three or, or whatever. So this is, this is uh, kind of scattered around. I think this is, I think this is going to be pretty tough just because that inspire is not reliable. Uh, or maybe the time you inspire is the time where you just cannot manage to land a hit with Clackrock. So, yeah. Um, but two, I don't know. I think this is one that maybe gets potentially gets easier as the game goes on mm. so like if you draw this in your third phase you probably feel pretty happy about it if you draw this in your first hand you feel terrible about it right <laughs> sure <laughs> so because the upgrades are hard to get out that early yep yeah and getting inspired I, you know it could take a while i guess uh it you know the flip of astro matrix alignment uh which was probably take it if you're doing feed the beast grave this is the probably take it if you are uh going temporary victory um yeah. because unless unless you're leaning hard in that direction kind of going all out to grab yourself three at some point uh the inspire will not be reliable enough for this to be good but if you are going that direction then grab if you know temp victory you get two glory you inspire then you're two thirds of the way towards getting those upgrades out. I don't know. So, yeah. Yeah. I, um, but I, I think, know. I think it'll probably end up on the, on the, on the cutting room floor. If you, uh, I think there's the probably floor. some better options as well. Yeah, sure. Sure. I think the uh, anything only, else before we move on to the next category, the only other one that I think is probably really one that I would consider is balance the cosmic equation. Um, so this is a hybrid and I think the secondary condition is the one that would make me consider it. Um, but this is another end phase where you can score it either by having two or more enemy fighters out of action, which could be easy, could be incredibly difficult, mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. your warband holds more objectives than an enemy warband. Yeah. Um, I, 
I think that is already something we see pretty regularly. Um, Mm. So doing it again doesn't necessarily seem like a bad thing. And if you're facing a swarm and you can get two kills without too much trouble, then yeah, why not? Sure. And then, so then it's just down to whether, whether as uh, one glory and phase objectives go, is it going to find a space in there? Are there more, yep. uh, are there easier ones to, to snag? Yep. For sure. And I think maybe just as a blanket uh, statement for the rest of these, like they're all, almost the, all of the rest of these are aggro. And I don't know that you really want to be leaning into aggro with these guys because your only reliable damage source is clack truck. Sure. Yeah. Um, all right. What have you got for gambits? What gambits grab your attention? So there's quite a few actually that I think are very good, but, um, I'm going to just start with the asterisms and we can just sort of cover them all as a group. So these are sort of their unique thing um, in their ploys and they work exactly like the cycles from Wormspat where they persist through the remainder of the round, giving a bonus to your entire warband unless another asterism card is played, in which case that one replaces the one that was previously in play. Yeah. I'm I'm only just noticing this. It's any player plays another asterism. So in the mirror matches, you can cancel out your opponent's asterism with your own. Yeah, which is interesting and definitely makes them riskier if you know that there's a lot of stalkers being played. But I Mm -hmm. don't know how often you are going to expect a mirror match. So um, I think I think there's still two that are good: Um, the Hunter's Steed and the Great Drake. Hunter's Steed gives plus one movement to all friendly fighters for the remainder of the round, um, which I think is pretty nice um because you know blanket plus one movement is almost certainly going to be useful especially on a warband that needs to be able to get around to objectives and enemy territory mm-hmm. um and like clack being slow having a ploy that's both going to help him and just buff the rest of your warband is probably worth having mm-hmm. and then the other one is plus one dice to all friendly fighters range one attack actions which I think is just amazing no matter what, because yeah, it's just saying an entire round of all of my fighters being much, much better at fighting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I, I think in, in other war bands, you would say this is broken in this war band. It feels about right. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is, if you look at how many range one attacks you have in this warband that you really care about, you're like, well, oh, I guess it's that that can be modified. Uh, that, that list gets a lot smaller. Um, yeah. If, if this was available in, in, a, in another warband, you like, how did they <laughs> ever think it was okay to print this? This, this seems pretty, <laughs> pretty on point, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's the nice they're, they're like a nice balance. They, they give a nice bonus, but it's not so powerful that you have to really be worried about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess since we mentioned them, we'll just say that there is a third asterism called the Bulwark Celestial. I don't think you'll ever play it. Um, it makes it so that friendly fighters cannot be driven back. Uh, the only problem with that is basically that most of your fighters will probably die in one hit. So... 
I don't think you care if they get driven back because they're probably yeah. just a smear on the floor. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, somebody will prove me wrong, but I, I, it's pretty corner case where you would want that instead of where that would somehow crack your 10. Like you can think of situations where it'd be useful, but I don't think you can think of many situations where that would beat out, you know, 10 other gambits to make it into your deck. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's like five other gambits just in this faction set that I think I would take before I took that. So here's one it does beat out is a Tepox mystery. The, the, the real mystery here is why would you take this card? Yeah. Uh, it it kind of feels, it says pick an opponent. They choose an objective card and shuffle it back into their deck and then draw one. I, it feels like this must've had a, a last minute change or something, or I, I, I don't know. Uh, it feels like in general, this is beneficial to the extent that I, the first time I read it, I read it again. He's like, Oh, maybe you can play it on yourself. I'm like, no, you can't. So <laughs> that would actually um, be very good. Yeah. I, and I was trying to think like, there are a few ways you could kind of tweak this where if it was like, look at their objective hand and then they can do, and then you have a kind of a cool guessing game of like, I saw your cards then you, you ditched one. So I, I know two out of the three, but I don't know which yeah. one I know. And did you draw it up? But that's okay yeah or even if even if you got to pick one at random mm. so that your opponent doesn't get to choose the one that they're the least one. likely yeah. to score yeah. right yeah um i guess the other way it could go is that instead of having them like shuffle and draw like you actually have it be like a lockdown where you'd say you just can't score that card this yeah, round or something sure. but then it yeah. would be really strong and that's probably too much so yeah I'm guessing there were there were probably stories about what happened with this card uh, in playtesting. So maybe yeah. we'll hear about them someday. Sure. <laughs> um, what the, there's some power. You said there were other powerful ones in here. What what give me one of those that you take? Yeah, well, I think maybe one of the most powerful ones is Huan Chi's device. So <laughs> this is a, this is a very like wordy power card but if essentially it's distraction or you can make your opponent pick three of their fighters and have to push all of them one hex um you won't you always want that because like say you're facing an aggro warband your opponent probably would like to be able to push three of their fighters forward yeah but if you know your opponent's trying to set something up with positioning and you're just like oh i can see that that's coming I play this card and then that blows their whole plan out of the water. Uh, that's very good. And and even if you just use it as another distraction, I think almost anybody would take a second distraction. So yeah, hundred uh, percent. If, if, if all this said was here's another distraction, you'd be like, yes, please. That is great. <laughs> and we, we specifically talk about war bands are like this. The, the power of this war band is slightly higher because they have an infaction distraction, you know, like yep. it. Um, and so this is, uh, this is infaction distraction plus a little bit extra. So yeah, totally. Um, since we're talking about pushes, I kind of like burst from the shadows is choose up to two friendly hunters, push each chosen fighter up to two hexes, uh, yeah. with as many. So, you know, four of your war band are hunters right out of the gate, uh, with as many hunter cards as exist out there. Uh, you know, the savage upgrades and, and such, uh, it's not uncommon for one of your other fighters. You get Savage Visage on Clacktrock, and all of a sudden, he's eligible for this. And pushing pushing a melee fighter two hexes is whoo nice. Yeah. Um, 
but what what I find particularly attractive about this one is that uh, I th- think you play it if you play it in your opponent's power step. Then once the power step is done, you'll have the opportunity to react with skittish. I think you can make some really clever plays uh, with this, where you maneuver a skink into a spot where they can then skittish onto an objective or into an important place or something like yeah. that. So the, I think there's, <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's opportunity for some really, really cool plays, um, which I'm sure I'll be on the receiving end of, but uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll try to cheer them through gritted teeth when it happens. Yeah. I think these guys just all the different push chaining and movement chaining that you can do with them is going to be a headache for people. Once they really start to figure out all the different nifty combos that they can do so um i definitely agree i think burst from the shadows is great and i i mean it's almost a little crazy that they printed it this way instead of having it be choose up to two friendly skinks or something Mm -hmm. because hunters as you say you can just add that fairly easily right now and in most other war bands where we have like push two friendly fighters two hexes it's limited to like this specific keyword like um like in the ghouls it's it's specifically advanced yeah yeah like you have to use it on a crypt ghoul and um or like the uh the nobblers in hrothgorn there's a card you can push two of them and so i'm just a a little surprised that it's like just two hunters but Mm -hmm. um maybe with rotation that'll become less powerful but yeah i think that one is super good and definitely one i will be taking yeah <laughs> i agree i mean it's, it's fun and uh i i think it's deceptively powerful um uh would you since since this is your war band uh well, we're talking <laughs> about not not just deceptively powerful but just straight up powerful lords of space and time what do you think yeah, of this guy yeah <laughs> <laughs> lords of space and time is pretty crazy uh you get to choose a friendly fighter that is not adjacent to any enemy fighters and then place them um in the same hex as an objective token in enemy territory that's not adjacent to enemy fighters so while it is limited um in that you you know where you can go and who you can pick to teleport is not as flexible as you might want it to be the precision with which you get to place fighters is good um also of note you can choose any fighter even if they've charged or moved Mm. already um you do have to give them another move token after they do this but if you've already charged why would you care um (laughs) so some very interesting plays you can do with this card um and like so you know goes well with some of those objectives we're holding stuff in enemy territory because teleports Mm -hmm. let you jump onto objectives when your opponent really can't stop you um right i don't know like this is this card is pretty good um i think we'll see how well people can just force you to not be able to do it but i I think even having that ability to control how your opponent plays the game is valuable so right i just the just the possibility that this could be in the stalker's deck is going to affect how uh people are playing against them definitely Um, like okay well do i keep somebody within one of this objective so they can't space and time onto it or you know i i it uh it's going to tax mental resources from the opponent uh whether you even have it in your deck or not 
man, I don't know. There's just so many combos with this. It just gets my head spinning a little bit. <laughs> uh, do you want to run us down on, it's not as powerful, but a similar sort of mechanic with Invisible Hunter? Sure. This is uh, unique to Autopodle. Uh, remove a friendly autopodle from the battlefield. That fighter is not out of action. This card persists until the end of the round. When this card no longer persists, place that fighter in an empty hex not adjacent to an, any enemy fighters. You cannot place play this card in round three. This is another way to kind of uh, teleport in. Um, as I read it, there's there's some weird things where if you you know we occasionally see these things where like uh, uh, finish all. Uh, persistent gambits end or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess you could do it yourself, right? Like if you, you really could. wanted him to uh, come back early, uh, that that's super duper corner case. That is like, uh, you think you have a big brain, but you're really just making it more complicated than you need to. But uh, <laughs> it, it is pretty cool. Like, you know, if somebody is counting on getting a certain number of kills or, you know, uh, I don't know, like it's such a unique card. And so character characterful with uh autopodal like the idea that he just disappears and then reappears somewhere else yeah uh, when he goes full invisible like this is just fun so very uh, fun yeah uh and pops up you know if he's inspired and all of a sudden he's popped up and he's a range two attack that's showing up in somebody's backfield yuck no thank you (laughs) yeah i do think i think it's interesting to know that since this will more often than not end when you just normally would clear persisting ploys, which is at the end of the phase mm. um, that you wouldn't be getting him back until after you scored objectives. So if you wanted, oh, yeah. and, to end of the round and, specifically rather than end yeah. of the phase. So, yeah. yeah. So if you were wanting to use this to try and score with, it's actually pretty difficult. Mm. You can use it as like an interrupt um, you can use it to let him dive so he can charge, make an attack. And like, if you failed, you just pop him out and then right safe. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of ways to use this, but I think it's still a very niche card because like if you draw it late in the game, you can't use it. If you don't have auto puddle, you can't use it. Like, so it's a nice balance. I think, um, yeah, not too strong, but definitely valuable. Yeah, I think uh, as one of the uses you just mentioned there, I think is probably the the most most common use is I charge an autopodle and I either succeeded in putting a move token on somebody I really wanted to put a move token on uh, with his blow dart, uh, whatever the case. Now he's in a threatened position and I'm just going to pick him up and you cannot... You basically, I got a, a free pop at you, and now yeah. I'm I'm safe. So. Yeah, little that, uh, little uh, illusory fighter. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking too. I was like back in the old illusory fighter days, and I I guess one thing we maybe haven't mentioned, but like there's no restriction on any of these fighters about being able to equip weapons. Mm, true yep. so if you really wanted to you could probably do some crazy stuff with autopodle or the other skink by giving them weapons <laughs> and talking about him charging with an amber yeah or yeah <laughs> yeah all right take advantage of that great drake so for yeah. sure yeah well we've talked about all but two of these ploys at this point do you want yeah. to, let's just round it out uh do you sure. want light of the stars or so venom next i'm going so venom here 
so it's it's a poison uh we have seen plenty of other poisons only one objective that cares about them we talked about that last episode uh this is a reaction play this during a friendly fighter's attack action after the deal damage step give the target one move token doesn't matter what range your attack is doesn't matter who's making it It can be from anybody in the warband uh obviously particularly powerful on ranged weapons where you can ping somebody from farther away um but also you could drive them back so hit them drive them back and then apply this 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 is like almost a reason to like take this warband here like handing out move tokens like this is nuts and it it automatically increases the value of any fighter in this warband that has a ranged attack yeah uh, because if you can sneak something through obviously you actually have to deal damage otherwise you know if it's an unsuccessful attack you're going to skip the deal damage step but um this is this is humongous and it's gonna it's gonna make you know if you got a later later game uh you're playing magors or something they're down to a couple fighters you cut their offensive output in half uh, if you can throw a move token on one of these guys so uh wild really good yeah must take love it love it and it's another reaction so you know <laughs> oh yeah if you want more reactions there you go and the last one, also a reaction, is Light of the Stars. Um, so this is this is a weird one, and I've already seen a lot of debate online about how this card triggers, but it says, play this after an opponent plays a gambit. That gambit deals no damage. So the debate, I think, is does a gambit have to deal damage for you to be able to play this, or can you just react to any gambit being played for the purposes of just playing a power card or playing a gambit um i guess i personally would land more on the side of you could just play it because Mm -hmm. it doesn't like the triggering condition isn't play this after an opponent plays a gambit that deals damage or something it's just after they play a gambit but we've had other rulings where it's like you have to be able to complete every part of the card in order to play it so we're going to need an FAQ, I think. <laughs> mm, mm. I don't know. Uh, what do you think in terms of power? Like, is this one actually worth taking? No, I think not right now. I, I don't think there's enough gambits that are doing damage. Um, if we get into a realm of more ping damage or... Uh, I, I mean, I think even in like the heyday of um, Curse Breakers, this would still be a little bit tough to, to pick because there's multiple warbands where they just won't do anything. Um, and so I think there's, there's too many cases where it doesn't do anything that the times where it will do something, it's, it's probably not worth it. So generally would agree with that. Um, I think this is one to just remember that it's out there. Um, if the meta shifts and suddenly damage coming from cards becomes a thing, watch out. (laughs) Right, right, right. Uh, well, we, we did it all 10, we did, <laughs> so, we did them all, uh, which, which is, you know, kind of a testament to this pack there. There's, uh, you know, some one way or another, there are a lot of interesting cards to talk about in the, in the gambits, but, uh, yep. at least it's on the upgrades. Give me, give me one of the ones that you wanted to talk about. Yeah. So I don't know that there's a ton of super strong upgrades here. Um, but I think one that I find to be very interesting is spawning bond so spawning bond is restricted to skinks so you can't put it on the big guy but um 
after another friendly skink is pushed from a hex that's within three hexes of this skink, mm. you can then push this this fighter one hex. Yeah. And so like with skittish and other push cards, suddenly you could be pushing whoever you put this on quite a few times in a turn. Right. Um, yeah. And yet and it's a yet another reaction. So <laughs> um, I don't know. The number of reactions they have is pretty strong for that objective um and i mean reactions to push and not like push away or push towards but just push is pretty juicy i think you're looking at this real hard if you are taking a hold objective deck uh i think i'm i think i might be wrong but uh i think if you have uh burst from the shadows where you'd push one and then push another i think you could potentially push twice off of uh if it was positioned just so, um, (laughs) I think this is, this is most tempting for, um, for autopodal, but, uh, uh, also, uh, Kishitaka, like we we were talking about the cost of having to move to get close enough to flip an objective. And then, so this, this could, uh, position him for use of his ability, uh, as well. So, yeah. Uh, I like that one. That was going to be my pick if I oh, was well, picking first. So, <laughs> if you had to pick a different one, <laughs> what might you pick? Um, I think. Uh, oh, I think Supreme Predator is pretty. Uh, I I think rerolls are real good, and uh, so this is a uh, Clack Croc becomes a hunter, which is important because you're probably taking burst from the shadows, so gives him a way to get pushed with that um also tap in if you happen to take beast trail which mm-hmm. yes please um so just getting access to those is, is handy uh it says he cannot be a quarry so bear that in mind because there's a lot, number of powerful things where let's say you know fighter becomes a quarry if this fighter is a quarry then he gets this so there's some anti-synergy here with uh i don't know like um well, I keep wanting to say predatory instinct, uh, strength of terror. That's what I'm thinking of. Um, uh, then the reroll, reroll one dice in this. Yeah. Reroll one dice in this fighters attack rolls. If you, uh, if the target is a quarry, um, which they will be because, uh, Oh no. Delete all that. Cause he doesn't turn other people into a quarry, right? Oh no. Each enemy, yeah, gosh, man, I made him at each enemy right. fighter. He basically becomes, uh, a lizard version of Hrothgorn. Yeah. And the, the rerolls are real nice with that bite. Um, that's one of the things that'll make that bite more accurate. Uh, but also he's your heavy hitter. He's your, here's your three base damage guy. He's one upgrade away from a four damage hit. So I think that's great for him. Uh, it's not restricted. Um, so that is, that is handy. I think to put in perspective of how good this card is, even though it's restricted to clack truck, like this is awakened weapon that turns you into a hunter. Mm -hmm. Um, and everybody took awakened weapon when it was sure. still available. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> definitely yeah. I mean, a, one to think about. There's, there's weird corner cases where you've done something like, you know, cause it's not, it doesn't have a range restriction. So if you've given him a spear or a bow or a javelin or something like that, it'll, he'll still be able to reroll with that too. So. Yep. Definitely a nice one. Yeah. Um, any others? Yeah, I mean, an obvious is unfeeling resilience. Um, this is that yeah. that card type we've seen a number of times. Uh, fighters dealt damage, reduced that damage by one to a minimum of one. Um, that is 
not restricted, although it kind of is in that <laughs> <laughs> you, you're not going to put it on any of your, your two wound hunters. Uh, the person who's going to get the most out of it is clack truck. There's some corner cases where you would put, uh, where you might load it up onto autopodal or, uh, Kihitaka. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like in, in some war bands, this is auto include like, um, crushes. Like, why would you not? Um, here yeah. it's, it's a little, uh, it's a little more iffy. Um, and it might get pushed out if you're going for some, uh, other strategy, if you're trying a, a feed the beast grave or trying a, you know, hold or something like that, you may run out of room for it, but, uh, mm -hmm. these are, these are always quite powerful. Yeah. I think survivability is enough of a problem in this war band that you would be probably looking at this pretty hard. Um, I mean, I know you sure. say you wouldn't put it on a skink, but if you knew it was really important for that one skink to stay alive, it might be mm -hmm. enough, right? I mean, sure. if you yeah. know your yeah, opponent's sure. hitting for two and you just need to survive one more attack, that, that, that mm -hmm. could be enough. So, and I mean, it's super flexible, so uh, definitely a strong one. Like you said, probably kind of an obvious <laughs> option since it's been proven to be a good archetype of a card in other warbands. Mm. Uh, what about you? What do you get that uh, jumps out at you? So there's two left that I think I would be really looking at hard to include, but I'm going to talk about the one that I think is maybe less powerful, but definitely interesting, um, which is Herald of the Old Ones. So this is restricted to Kishitaka, but um, what it does is it, it makes it so that uh, if this fighter is within three hexes of a friendly skink, and notably he is a skink, so he will be within three hexes of himself, mm -hmm. you can then re-roll one defense roll in attack actions targeting those fighters. Um, so this effectively is like giving a, a defensive reroll upgrade to all of your skinks as long as you position it right um and with like two dodge and three dodge fighters i think that reroll could actually be pretty good pretty big deal um i think the one block guys even really would love to have a reroll because sometimes that's gonna be the thing that makes or breaks your game yeah yeah, especially early on. I mean, we uh, we're seeing some more accuracy enter the game, but the uh, but a, a a block with a reroll uh, can be can be pretty great. Like it's yeah. a, a pretty good boost to survivability if they've only rolled the one success, and that happens plenty of times. For sure. Well, speaking of accuracy, uh, I think you're probably you were probably thinking about this one that I was thinking about as well for your last one. Is that right? Like, heaven, heaven blessed weapon. A little yeah. bit of this. <laughs> yeah, uh, as plus one dice and knockback one to this fighter's range one attack actions. Um, so you again, uh, Clack Trock is your your obvious candidate for it, but he's not the only one. You know, sometimes just landing landing a hit that'll get somebody off of uh, an objective, and also knockback one is not nothing because it means that they need more than a sidestep or a distraction to get back in range. So. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty good. Uh, if you're if you're going offensive, um, pretty cool. Um, I I don't think I would take this. I think there's an insane build that has selfless sacrifice, which is uh, restricted to skink. If uh, if you have a skink that's about to die, 
then it gets to make an attack action. So if you were going with that kind of weapon build or something, you had somebody running around with the uh, uh, larval lance or something like that, then you know getting an extra larval lance stab is is pretty cool. So uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, <laughs> it just feels like one of those things where if you're if you're getting to that point, like I don't know, like maybe <laughs> yeah. maybe there's better things you could be doing. Oh, they're a hundred percent are. I, I, I totally agree. <laughs> I'm just, uh, um, the art is cool. You got, uh, you got one of the skinks just like diving at like Slash's claw. Yeah. All right, bud. Uh, who that's Shepik. That talk? Oh, Shepik. Yeah. 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 He's got a club and a club and a shield. All yeah. right. Well, I think unless, unless you want to talk about one of the other couple that we didn't mention, I, I think those are the only ones that I thought really stood out. Um, I guess there are only two more. Uh, I think we're pretty good here. Yeah. I mean, they're basically very similar. They both give bonus move. Um, Mm -hmm. So if you need more move, you've got it. You got options. (laughs) Um, So, you know, there you go. Yeah. There's a, there's a camouflage to make you, your autopodal more defensive uh, from range and a crazy one where you spend glory to give cleave um, that they, they seem pretty corner case, but if you're, if you're all in on the autopodal, yeah. strategy whatever that may be then maybe uh, yeah. i guess astrolith igniter could actually be pretty useful um i mean it's going to be niche but like when you really need cleave sometimes just having it available for one mm-hmm. attack can really make a big difference so yeah 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 maybe um yeah sure i mean you've got uh it does make getting damage through on hrothgorn uh, a lot easier when hrothgorn's inspired walking mm-hmm. around with two block like that's putting them down to crits is, is pretty nice. So it's on demand and it can be on multiple fighters as long as you got the glory to spend. Yeah. Any, uh, any final thoughts on the warband overall here, Phil? Yeah. Um, I think I mentioned it already, but generally I think the stalkers feel like a very flexible warband. Um, I think there's lots of different ways you could play them. Um, and I think that that also means that to figure out like how to play them best is going to be difficult and they're probably going to have a really high skill ceiling. Like if you are really good at piloting them and taking advantage of all the weird tricks that they can do, they will probably take you very far. Um, but I do think that there's going to be a big disparity in terms of like people who just started playing them and people who've played a ton of games with them mm, yeah that makes sense um your your comment about them being a flexible warband the um that kind of aligns with two of the so uh Kagra's, they're kind of unilateral in the way they generally want to go but uh yeah i remember having the impression that dread pageant and the purifiers, uh, they, they have a lot of different directions you can build them. And this, this feels fairly similar. Um, I definitely agree. I think one of the biggest challenges these have coming out of the bat is that they are a six fighter warband, Uh, and, uh, the more of those hexes you fill up at the start, the, uh, the more people can get at you. But, um, I look forward to seeing some cool games with these guys. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I look forward to playing them. So hopefully we can <laughs> face off a bit and you can school yeah, me let's and do it. show me how to <laughs> not play these guys. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll return with like, here's what doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that sounds cool. 
So uh, we have gone on for uh, plenty of time already. Uh, <laughs> so we are going to save the universals for a next episode. We'll follow that up. We'll uh, get a chance to see some of those in the, in the field of play and then uh, talk them up a little bit. Uh, I know there's some reviews out there. If you, if you just can't wait, uh, check them out. And then uh, I guess I'd say in general, we tend to do these as we just talk about the ones that we find interesting. Uh, there was enough that we found interesting. We ended up talking about a lot of these cards. Um, if you would rather just hear us talk about every card um, or if you like how we do it, let us know. Uh, we'll be receptive to feedback uh, or not, <laughs> but <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be nice to hear. Um, but uh, yeah, any uh, any final thoughts before we close out here, Phil? Uh, no, I think I think that's enough to chew on for now. We we got a lot to lot to work through here. All right. Well, I think that then will wrap us up. Uh, as always, if you would like to get in touch with us, you can do so at WTHCast on Twitter or WhatTheHexCast at gmail.com. Um, if you can't get enough of our show or if you're just interested in more about uh, the mortal realms in general and the lore behind all these fighters in uh, Underworlds, then you can check out all the rest of the content from the mortal realms at themortalrealms.com. Um, and as Davey just mentioned, uh, we our next episode, not entirely sure when we will do that, but, uh, we will come back at you with the other half of this release talking about those universals. Uh, Davey, you got a recommended listening for folks today. I do. I've got, uh, this is a band called, uh, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. And the song is Time Equals Fate. Oh, man. That, is, <laughs> that name is pretty perfect. The only thing that would make it better is if there was an actual Lizard Wizard in this war band. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, for what the heck's I've been Davey. And I've been Phil. Uh, but I'm just all right. Let me get this recording locked in. All right, cool. I'm sure I'll eventually run out of uh, of save spots on Underworlds DB, 